Today, we have a wonderful conversation with Corey Bernstein. He is an adjunct professor of sports marketing at the University of South Florida and the director of marketing and business strategy at Minor League Baseball. He talks about brands and sports as a community and understands the important role that marketing plays in ensuring these communities are inclusive. I also imagine that his class is a favorite among students. He highlights non-technical qualities that make people good at their jobs, and he helps to harness these skills in the classroom. He continues to look for feedback and personal development opportunities through mentoring and gives students advice on how to build these relationships. Please enjoy our conversation with Corey. Welcome to the Ad Undergrad Podcast. I'm Katie Moy, along with my co-host, Julian Lewis. Wait, stop the music. Katie, do you mind calling me Professor Lewis? But Julian, you're an adjunct professor. All right, fair enough. As practitioners of marketing and advertising, Katie and I wanted to give back to you, undergrads, recent grads, and those early in your careers looking to switch industries. In each episode, we'll highlight the career paths of practitioners and provide you with actionable knowledge to apply early in your journeys. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Ad Undergrad Podcast. Today, we have with us Corey Bernstein. Corey, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Julie and Katie. Name's Corey Bernstein, currently the Director of Marketing and Business Strategy at Minor League Baseball League Office. So we are nestled in St. Petersburg, Florida, in the Bay, in the Gulf side, overseeing the marketing and corporate partnership development for our 160 teams across the country. So delighted to be here. And also as a side hustle, I'm an adjunct professor at the University of South Florida teaching sport marketing. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, how we, we kind of vibed, you know, we're both Adweek mentees. So give a shout out to Adweek for that. But also we had some great conversations around how we can help students specifically during this time. And one thing that is appealing to a lot of people is sports. And then when you couple that with sports marketing, you know, would love to understand your perspective on, you know, what do you do as a director of marketing business strategy in the world of sports? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Sport, and I, and I tell my students this, sport marketing is, is so unique because it's unpredictable. It's inconsistent in terms of you don't know what you're going to experience every single time you consume a sport. And then it also has this ability to transcend culture and to bring every walk of life together and evident by the happenings of the boycott with the NBA and across sports where sport is always kind of fit in this nexus of entertainment and culture and technology. And so for myself on the MILB side, again, we have 160 teams across the country. Our teams cover 80% of the U.S. population. And we really try to lean into the fact that minor league baseball is a local community kind of entertainment. And we often pride ourselves that our ballparks are the front porches of the communities. And so from a marketing perspective, it's all about telling that story. And then part of that is how do you drive fandom? Again, covering 80% is great, but you have your core fans that are maybe baseball enthusiasts or are comfortable and kind of brand loyal. But my role and and my team's role is really placing a stake in the ground to drive that next generation of fandom. And that often comes with reaching out to potentially marginalized groups or consumer groups like the Hispanic, Latino, Latinx community, LGBTQ+, people with disabilities, or the Black community that 
for some reason, maybe earlier in their experience that they didn't feel potentially welcome. And so we really place a heavy emphasis and concerted effort of really trying to make minor league baseball the most inclusive it can be. And that's a lot of my day to day. And then also, how can we align with brands and partners to drive revenue, but I think more importantly, drive community impact. That's phenomenal. And, you know, for me, I'm a huge baseball fan. And actually, the main reason why I'm a baseball fan is because of my co-host husband, who's like one of my childhood best friends, supposed to be the best man in my wedding. You know, like we would just sit and watch baseball all day. And I think I got a better understanding of like what the sport was. And, you know, a lot of people say that it's quote unquote boring, but I think like with the complexities of it, and if you understand like the backstories of the players and how they all came from all across the world to kind of play together And I love how you talk about it as both entertainment, but then also like in tune with culture, because it really is a way for people to come together and enjoy something that they can view, but then also have all these players from around the world and tell their story and really get an understanding of of their background. So I love that you, you started there. Just to take a step back, like, let's go to college, Corey. What interested you in getting into marketing in general? And then, you know, how are you able to do it through sports? So let's start with marketing in general. Yeah, you know, you're dating me a little bit going back uh, to college, Corey. But (laughs) for myself, so similar to you growing up around the game, I I was one of three boys and I played college baseball. So I've always kind of grown with the game. I love the aspect and the skill set that you were able to learn. But I really didn't know the business of sport. So I, I knew the player angle. I knew scouting and player development, but I really didn't have a really good understanding of of the sport business side. So without putting that to the side from a marketing perspective, I I always loved kind of how you can build that that consumer engagement and that connection. So going a little bit more back than college Corey, baby Corey, I I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida. And where all good things, stories start, the land of of Disney and, and Mickey Mouse. And I think growing up there, I wasn't really understanding at the time, but now looking back, being able to see firsthand, you know, growing up 10 minutes from arguably one of the best entertainment and consumer first entities like Walt Disney, I really kind of learned from a marketing perspective what what a brand can do. And then also during that time, the Orlando Magic were created and formed. And so I saw the Shaquille O'Neal, the Penny Hardaway, and, and Dennis Scott, and I'm sure people on the podcast <laughs> have to Google who that last person is. But you know, again, it's really important, and it was kind of a reflective moment for me to see how a team in a community can kind of rally together and, and drive some good. So that was that was from a marketing perspective of just all those experiences rolled into one. It sounds like you're able to combine your passion with a career path. And so you have kind of the the love of the sport behind what you do. What skills did you have to gain or learn in order to kind of grow in in your career and, and what maybe in your first job was surprising that you didn't think was part of the job? Yeah, on that on that first point, Katie, I think a, a big point of emphasis for me was understanding the skill sets and having the self-awareness that I I did know the ins and outs of the sport. And there is a value attached to that. So I would press upon, you know, the students listening, if you do have a passion for a sport, there is a way that you can channel that in for business value. On the other side of the coin, I would say 
place an emphasis on for myself, I learned I needed to think about those transferable skills, right? So regardless if I'm marketing for baseball or cricket or badminton or even cornhole, those transferable skills of learning how to build a team, build and lead a team, learning how to think about marketing from the, the fan first kind of aspect, learning how to be empathetic and build relationships with all stakeholders. So those, those were a few things that I learned. I would say for my first job, a couple of key lessons for me, an adage of Rome wasn't built in the day. And so I know a lot of these eager students are going to go out in the world and, and do incredible things. But then also just learning that progress, you know, it, nothing really changes that quickly or maybe to the, to the speed that you want. But just being observant and having perspective of what the long-term goal is and understanding that you're working towards that every single day. And as my first job, I, you know, coming out of college, I was, I was excited to, to jump in uh, head first. But that was a really important thing for me is just patience. And how did you come to that realization of patience and start to formulate what that long-term goal was? Because I think for a lot of students, it's difficult for them to see past graduation like what initial role will be, but like, how are you able to kind of take where you started and start to formulate your longer term goal and have that patience? Yeah, I think, you know, for any student going into a new role, I I think success, one tactic you can do, and this helped me, Julian, to your question, is really learning the business, right? So that includes your immediate kind of supervisor or your vertical or your respective business function. And so for me, it was kind of marketing. But as I learned, engaging with the community team, engaging with the licensing team or the branding team or the digital team, I gained kind of this holistic view of how the business and how everyone is kind of working together. And that proved pretty fruitful. One, where I learned more about the business. Two, I developed better relationships across the board, which helps push things through. And then three, I gained the perspective of understanding what the company's long-term goals are. That, and then I would also add patience is really having really good mentors and sponsors that expose me to the side of the business that I probably was a little bit, maybe not ready for at the time, but knowing that I had people kind of put me at the seat of the table and be exposed to different things. Again, painting that picture of what the business long-term goals are. Did you have a specific mentor as you were building your career? Yeah, I would say a couple. One is, is Kurt Hunzecker. I know he'll be listening, but I worked for him for five years and one of the most creative minded people that has the innate ability to balance the left side and the right side of the brain and kind of merge the two. And so I learned an incredible amount from him on how to push boundaries, how to corral a group and to build a team. And then second to Kurt, I, I would say CMO, my boss right now, David Wright, chief commercial officer and CMO of MILB, in which he spent 15 years at Major League Soccer. And so when he came to MILB, again, he wasn't a baseball guy, but he knew how to build a team in a high-performing team, and he wanted to challenge. But both of those folks have really pushed me and made me feel comfortable being uncomfortable. They have given me opportunities because they know probably I can achieve them, even when I probably couldn't see that at the time. And they also allowed me and empowered me to, to do my own thing. So I think taking bits and pieces of their leadership styles, what's worked for them, and then really thinking about how it might work for myself 
those are two that really stand out in terms of my, my current career. And with Kurt, was he a former boss or, or how did you make that, that connection? Yeah, so he came in when I joined when I joined MILB, we we formed this new subsidiary that was primarily come to think of it as a in-house agency. So it's sales, marketing, and media agency for 160 teams. And I came in as employee number four of that group. So very much a startup mentality. And Kurt followed shortly thereafter, in which he kind of became my supervisor. So a ton of lessons learned in terms of kind of the startup mentality on how to be resourceful, how to prioritize things, but then also how to understand that you can do things differently and do things in a disruptive way, realizing what your your company and your brand stands for. It sounds like you're always open to the idea of being mentored. And a lot of people are, right? But sometimes they don't know how to seek out that mentorship or how to be a good mentee. So what is it? Like what skills do you have or the things that you would recommend to somebody who wants to be a mentee and attract a mentor? Yeah, again, going back to if if I was an undergrad, I would really challenge you all and, and I should have challenged myself a little bit more at the time to kind of play up that student card, quote unquote, and to really reach out and start building kind of genuine relationships with folks that you either admire or they work in a business that you really are interested in. You want to learn more. And I always go back to the the second best answer is no. So if you send something and they say no, awesome, move on. But more times than not, for myself and for a lot of my students and colleagues, if you approach this outreach from a good place, you're thoughtful about it. You've done some research people are more willing to help. And so I think that initial fear of reaching out for uh, for college students, I think once they get past that, that's kind of the first step. The second step is part of that Adweek mentee group. My, My mentor is Kenny Mitchell, the CMO of Snap Inc. and just an incredible person. So if you know him, you can agree. If you don't look him up, believe the hype. But he, he said for, for him, you got to think about your personal reputation. And a lot of people think about their personal brand. But he said it's boiled down to three things. It's one, the work you do. So what value are you driving for your school, for your class, for your company? Two, it's the way you behave. And then three is the way you treat other people. And so I think with the outreach, the foundational knowledge of who you are and all those three things, and then three, just approaching the relationship from a reciprocal type of value standpoint, like how are you going to help them as much as they're helping you? I think that is usually a successful recipe for kind of developing that mentee-mentor relationship. I love that almost everything you've talked about so far are what people might call like soft skills. I think now we're trying to call them necessary skills versus, <laughs> you know, your day-to-day work. I think that's great. How can students start to gain that type of experience in their class or projects? What would you recommend? Yeah, so I, I started adjuncting about three years ago now. And when I approached it, I really just wanted to think about the class differently. And so one of the core areas of my class where I invest a lot of time in is those necessary skills, right? Where we do LinkedIn trainings, they do informational interviews with people in the industry and ask really insightful questions and then they present it. A lot of these students sometimes are not used to presenting. We also do a lot of group work and 
one of my advice for them is the two word that usually draws some uh, PTSD sometimes is uh, group projects. And I would definitely in my class approach that and I tell them as a positive learning opportunity because in corporate life, sometimes you get to pick your team, sometimes you don't. A lot of the times things don't go according to plan, but how you approach that and learn from it in, in school where it's a little maybe low risk, I think those types of real world kind of scenario plannings, I place a lot of emphasis on. But the other thing too is self-awareness, behavioral assessments. We send them a lot of tools and equip them with a lot of information uh, that hopefully makes them more aware of who they are, what their strengths are, and, and maybe opportunities to grow from there. And are those assessments that are sent out by the University of South Florida, or are there things that are like kind of publicly available that students can kind of take to their universities and be like, hey, I, I want to learn more about myself? Yeah, so I, I am unaware if, if there's anything uh, from the university perspective, but a recent one that I came across was the Red Bull Wing Finder, W-I-N-G-F-I-N-D-R.com. And I love that one because Red Bull, you know, obviously they do things their own way and, and do it in a fun way. They teamed up with a team of psychologists and behavioral experts to really place a focus on what your strengths are. And a lot of the times some people get caught up in maybe what they're really not good at. And I know there's some deficiencies where you need to build that skill set. But on the other side, you know, you got to think about what makes you unique. All of us have special skills and strengths that not a lot of people can, can own and, and hone in on. So this, this assessment, it takes 20 minutes, but spits out kind of an action plan of, of what to do, how you can continue doing it, and then also maybe some areas on when you need to uh, position things a little bit different based on the scenarios. But that's a great free one that I would recommend. That's awesome. I could talk about this all day. I'm getting a master's in organization development. So I've taken quite a few of these, but I haven't taken the the Red Bull one. Yeah. Do you have any others that you would recommend? We did 16 personalities. It's kind of based on Myers-Briggs, so nothing like too exciting there. Some of the other ones, I'll add them to show notes or I'll send them over to you. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But yeah, there's some good ones out there. I like these ones that are a little more creative, but I think going off of finding your strengths, which strengths or skills are maybe unique to roles in, in sports marketing. They take these assessments and they find certain qualities, what might make them a good match? It's a good question. I, I, I think it also depends on what the, the job is within sports, but I think the most important skills, one, I would say curiosity and having this student of the game mentality where you kind of have this insatiable need to just learn more. And that comes in two forms. One, learning about the sport industry and how it's evolving and how it's, especially during the pandemic, without live games, you know, how can you evolve your business? But then two, I think really taking a hard look at industries outside of sport. So Julian, with, with Pinterest or Nike or some other thing where you can draw inspiration from, that might apply to your, your respective organization. So that's one. I would also say passion. A lot of these maybe organizations, you know, especially in baseball, where you have you know, 81 home games in a normal year, you have to love what you're doing because it is a grind. But if you have the passion and you have the grit, it is often a, a fulfilling career because you love what sport can do. 
personally, I love going to minor league baseball because every day you have the ability to do something for the first time ever. And for a league that's been around since 1901, that's pretty rare to find. So I'd say passion is, is the other one. And then I think creativity. And I think all three apply, whether you're in sport or not. But the ability to think differently about how the sport consumer will draw inspiration and be attached to your brand and, and hopefully become a fanatic. But those are three that, that really stand out. Earlier, you talked about you know, the culture piece of it. You talked about doing things for the first time, an organization that's been around forever. What are ways that students can have their finger on the pulse of culture or, or what's trending? And so that when they enter a job, you know, whether it be in marketing in general or sports marketing specifically, they can start to bring new ideas. Like what are some things that they should be following today that will set them up for success? I'll go a few tactical ones. So as part of my course, again, we do a, a section before we jump into the content around kind of what's, what's in the news. And as part of that, I have them subscribe to Front Office Sports which is free. Adam White, the founder, tremendous guy. But that is a great resource about the sport business itself. And they go over all the key trends that are happening in the industry. A few other ones would be hashtag sports. Um, again, these are free and great kind of sources of information to keep a pulse on, on the industry. And then I would also say, again, just block and tackle things. LinkedIn, follow groups, follow hashtags, be part of the conversation and, and have a good pulse on on what's going on. Because then again, and hopefully we'll talk about a little bit of what trends we're seeing in sports, but those are a few subscriptions and just kind of key outlets that does a great job, again, free for the students. Phenomenal. And you just asked your own next question um, <laughs> in terms of <laughs> the trends that are that are happening in sports. You know, we were amidst a, a pandemic. You know, we talked about the racial injustices earlier and, and how some leagues are responding to that. So, you know, I just love your perspective, kind of working for an organization that's been around for a long time, community focused. Like, what are, what are you seeing and, and what do you hope to see? Yeah, so it's interesting. This year was the first time since 1901 that MILB did not play any games. And that's usually a, a antidote that really puts you in, in perspective. And so we had to think about the business in, in a whole new way. So I think from a trends perspective for sports, given all the things you just talked about, one is the importance of technology within the sports ecosystem. So how are fans consuming the sport? Over the air, OTT services, uh, streaming, social, younger consumers are, are consuming it in a much different way. And organizations and teams need to, A, meet them where they're at, and then B, make it a two-way kind of engaging experience. Like the way we've watched sports hasn't changed in quite a while. You know, it's kind of one way. And so you're seeing the likes of a Twitch or a Facebook or other players getting into the game that are creating this kind of two-way connection. The, the other trend I see, and obviously we're living it right now with social activism and kind of players as their own brands and this kind of convergence of those two where, and I'll back up a few, where I went to grad school at University of Central Florida uh, for the DeVos Sport Business Management Program. And our program director, Dr. Richard Lapchik, is a great individual for those who want to take a Google search, but he's dedicated his life to civil rights activism. So predominantly, you know, during the apartheid in South Africa with Nelson Mandela to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, 
and is still very active. So that has been a rooted thing for me of learning that if you intentionally harness that power of sport and that platform, you can accelerate change and drive change. And so players are now media empires. LeBron coming out with his new Space Jam movie, the Spring Hill Company, Kevin Durant, the WNBA has done a phenomenal job in, in women empowerment and just them becoming their own brands. I see that trend continuing. And then, you know, what's what we're not insular to also representation. So I think a concerted effort in the diversity, equity, inclusion piece of how do we get better representation of folks working in sport? So that's a big area of focus for myself. And, and I know a lot of organizations are, are investing a lot into that as well. I guess in terms of questions that you get most often from your students, what questions are you getting and what kind of advice are you, you giving them? So part of the reason why we kicked off at undergrad was because I, as an adjunct, I would bring in people like Katie to guest speak in my class and, and Katie being one of my best friends and also one of my favorite coworkers, I will, wherever I go, I will bring her along with me if I can, because it makes me look good when I bring in such great talent. <laughs> but hearing her perspective, I think to the students, hearing a different voice has helped them tremendously. But I guess like, what are your students asking for as they're getting to their junior, senior years and, and ready to graduate? Yeah, we, again, I'm teaching online virtually. So if we were doing this on Microsoft Teams, we would raise the little hand, the yellow hand. But <laughs> I, would, I would say one that comes up a lot is, should I go to grad school? Which I routinely answer with, it's a case by case. And so what I tell them is the reason people will go will be different. But for myself, I went because, yes, I would learn a lot of great business principles. But more importantly, I would build a network with my cohort, but then also the industry executives that I probably would have had a hard time getting in front of. And again, that, that actually led to my, my role at MILB. So should I go to grad school is one. Two, I want to work in sports. Like, how do I work in sports? Which is such a, a potentially loaded question. So what I, what I tell them is, A, really try to figure out, again, what you're good at and what your strengths are and what you're passionate about, but then also expose them to how broad and how diverse the sports ecosystem is. A lot of these folks and students only think about it potentially in a, a very singular way of, I want to work for a team or a league, which is completely fine, and they have incredible opportunities there. But there's so many other facets and verticals where you can be part of sport and have a really fulfilling career. You could work at an agency. You could work at Pinterest and they have sports clients. You could work at a media organization. You could work for an esports company. So there's so many different ways to get in sports. So I think that's another question. And then the last one I usually get is how do I sell myself or like, how do I brand or what, how can I build on my personal brand? And I, and I go back to what, what Kenny said of really trying to figure out what you stand for, but then also what are you passionate about? So the students usually have some great questions, but those are three that come top of mind. Um, and what general advice would you have given yourself as an undergrad thinking back of college, Corey? Knowing what you know now. I'm going to call you that forever now. I know. <laughs> just call it Corey. <laughs> I actually just changed my email signatures and my LinkedIn profile to, to college Corey. But one, I, I think just given the abundance of incredible content like this podcast, right, where 
you know, back then it, it probably wasn't as abundant, but I would say really lean into the opportunity of absorbing and collecting as much information as you can. So this podcast, the newsletters, fellow students or faculty at the university just picking their brain. I wish I probably would have done that a little bit more. We've talked about the group project thing. I would have totally looked at that in a completely different light. But then also building relationships with students, like my my classmates, where like in grad school, as mentioned, I work with five of them. So I recruited them here. And then also I keep in contact with another 15 to 20 that are working out in the world of sports and maybe some outside of sport. And we've done deals together. We've done alliances. We've done educational programs. So as an undergrad, I I probably would have leaned into building those relationships with classmates a little bit more. Yeah, I love that. And the group project thing is, is huge. And for me in particular, I was fortunate enough to do this ads ATB program at the University of Colorado it's like a three-week crash course after the end of the school year. And through that group project, I started to learn, okay, like, what am I good at? What did I enjoy about this? And that kind of helped to set my path thereafter. So I love that you brought that up. And, and that's come up a few times. And I think that's something that's really important for students to lean into. But this has been absolutely phenomenal, Corey. We really appreciate your time. How can people follow you, get in touch with you, learn more from you beyond this podcast? Yeah, so Corey Bernstein, look me up on LinkedIn, C-B-E-R-N-S-T-I-N-E at MILB.com, email, shoot me a note and follow at MILB on social. But I appreciate you guys having me on. I think this is the type of content and the type of things that I wish I had as an undergrad and even now of just learning from incredible people. So hopefully, you know, there's some good nuggets in here for the students to walk away with. For sure. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for your ears. We want to incorporate your questions on the podcast. Please email us at hello at adundergrad.com. And don't forget to follow us on all platforms at The Ad Undergrad. Tune in next time as we capture more paths of industry practitioners.